Welcome back. I'm so glad that you've joined us for the Crossroads Live experience. Uh, tonight we are excited. We're going to continue our series of Stand Firm and Love Well, and we are so glad that you have joined us. Uh, I encourage you to like and to share and to comment. Uh, just as, as we go through, fill out the interactive notes. You can even email those to yourself. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and for being a part of this series and this great experience uh, that we are learning together, stand firm, love well. Before we get started, I just want to pray that God would help us. Could we do that? Could you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have to study your word, to learn from your word, and to know, God, that you are in control of our lives. We want you, God, to have control. So we pray, God, that you would speak into our lives through your word tonight. And God, we will surrender ourselves to you, and we'll give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, last week we talked about uh, grace and truth, how uh, we can either be really dogmatic and uh, we're right, no, nobody else is right, we're the only ones that are right enough, and then we talked about uh, the other side of it who just let everybody in because, you know, uh, God loves them, and, uh, and we, we talked about how God loves people, but he loves them enough to not let them stay as they are, and so we don't need just grace, but we need grace and truth, and uh, we've got to have both the love of God and the Word of God the truth of God's word uh, be embraced and alive in our lives. And so uh, today we are going to talk about tonight, I want to discuss the Babylon mentality uh, in our Stand Firm and Love Well series. And uh, I want to just take just a moment before we get started to welcome all of our guests and to thank you so much for being a part of this online experience and a part of this teaching series. Uh, I have I read a great book called The Daniel Dilemma by Chris Hodges. It's uh, the basis of this series, and I'm so thankful for each and every one of you who have tuned in. Uh, also, uh, I want to welcome Welcome all those of you who don't normally watch us online. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we encourage you to, to take notes. You can use the interactive notes. You can also uh, contact us, uh, and we will uh, and try to answer any questions that you have or point you in the right direction. Uh, we are a very, uh, a very relevant church. We are a very open church, and we're very easy to, to uh, talk to people. Uh, so please don't hesitate. Ask any questions that you might have. And I do want to say thank you for all of those of you who are supporting this church and who are faithful members of this church. Uh, I know we are in some crazy times, but God is taking good care of this church, and God is blessing our members through this. And uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and uh, for keeping uh, God first in your lives. This week, we're going to continue our series called Stand Firm and Love Well, and we are going to discuss how we can be more like Jesus in our current culture. And so this is our second session. I want us to talk tonight about the Babylon mentality and how we can live like Jesus in our pagan culture. That's kind of uh, the challenge, I think, for a lot of us, is how do we live like Jesus even in the current culture that we're in? So this is pretty much how it's going to be. Either we are going to set culture or we will reflect culture. We will either set culture or we will reflect culture. Now, I hope, and I know that you've probably heard this before, but you can either be a thermostat 
or you can be a thermometer. I, I believe that Jesus Christ wants us to be thermostats. I believe he wants us to set the culture, to set the temperature, the atmosphere in our culture. And so uh, I, I believe that Matthew 5 and verse 16 is accurate when it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God calls us, the church, he calls us to be salt and to be light. And uh, salt, if you understand a little bit about salt, if you use too much, obviously, whoo, it's very potent. But if you use just enough salt, it's, it's supposed to make things better. It's supposed to preserve things and uh, to, to help things. But uh, light is there to make things brighter, to help us be able to see better. And the, the, the point that Jesus was trying to make with calling the church salt and light is that we are here to make an impact. I wish you'd tell somebody, you're here to make an impact. Amen. You're not just here uh, by accident. You're here on purpose and you are supposed to make an impact. On the night before Jesus went to the cross, he prays this prayer that we find in John chapter 17. And uh, Jesus prayed a, a long prayer, but I want to just pull out a few verses here. Verses 15 and 16. John 17, verses 15 and 16. It says this, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep or protect them from evil. Verse 16 says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We are not of the world, but we are still in the world. And, and sometimes that is the dilemma because we would prefer, as Jesus says in verse 15, to be taken out of the world. You know, sometimes on those really bad days, you're like, oh, I wish God would just take me out of here. I wish I didn't have to deal with all of this stuff in culture and all this, these feelings that I'm having. And, and so there's a pressure that is placed upon us. But Jesus prays the night before he goes to the cross, he prays the prayer that I, I pray not that thou wouldest take him out. He doesn't want us to taken out. He said that that would protect them from evil. They're not of the world. And so one of the main reasons or one of the main mindsets uh, that we have in our culture is uh, ungodliness. And there's such ungodliness. And we have to kind of go back to the root of why there is that mindset or that mentality of ungodliness. And I really believe that it has a lot to do with this Babylon mentality that we're going to discuss. And last week we discussed in our session how Babylon is modern day Iraq. And uh, that, that I, I, I do believe that that's true. And I know that that's fact. But I do want to share with you how I believe that Babylon is not just a locality and it's not just a geographic location. It is definitely a mentality. It is definitely a mindset. It's a, it's a spirit that existed from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, and it still exists today. So my job today is to give uh, all of you the, the main tension that uh, I think exists, the crisis that we're in uh, today because of this mentality. And then I want to show you how we can defeat the Babylon mentality. So I want to pass along to you, uh, not that I am uh, a genius or, or smart or anything like that. I just want to pass along to you the secrets of how to defeat a Babylon mentality in your life today. And so let's do that uh, and let's, let's get started. 
uh, let's go all the way back to the beginning. In the book of Genesis, we read in the third chapter, uh, it starts off at the very beginning, this this, uh, dialogue between Eve and the serpent, or Eve and Satan, and we hear it in the very first words of Satan to Eve, Uh, He is trying to convince Eve that God is not for her and and Adam. God is not really, he does not really love, that he does not really care about them, and that God's all about himself, and he really is only looking out for his best interest, and he wants to withhold good things from Eve. And it's kind of funny because the devil still uses that same technique. He still uses that same tactic on us today. And he, he uses it all around the world in every, in every place, in every region. The devil is using the same tricks today. And then you go just a few pages further in Genesis and you find in Genesis eleven four. That uh, they, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. And they they were they were uh, fresh off the flood and they were coming out of this mentality of God judging the earth because of the vile wickedness that was in the world. And <clears throat> so they said, let's make ourselves great. Let's make a name for ourselves. We don't need God. Let's build a tower and exalt ourselves high above the earth. Let's avoid ever being drowned again by a great flood. This, this God uh, that, that uh, he, he judged the world, let's outsmart him. We, we don't want to be uh, having him in charge of us anymore. Let's make our own name. Let's make a name for ourselves. And so if you read on in verse 9 in the NIV, it says that is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. It's called Babel. Babel literally means confusion. It's a, it's a confused way of thinking. It's, it's derangement. It's a form of insanity. If you choose to live, and if any of us choose to live any other way than God's way, uh, it is going to produce confusion confusion in your life. It's going to produce insanity and chaos. You will live in chaos, and that is where we are experiencing things in our world today. That's what we are dealing with right now, deranged thinking that causes mass confusion, panic, fear, and chaos. That comes because of a Babylon mentality. That comes because we've chosen to do things our way and not God's way. That's why we need God. That's why we need his way of thinking. Some people say, where is God in all of this? Well, I'll tell you where God is. God is right where we left him. We uninvited him in our lives. We uninvited him in our culture. We said, we don't want you. Stay out. We don't need your way and your principles. And so he backed up. And if you are feeling confusion, if you are feeling chaos right now, right here in this moment, maybe in your spirit, it could be very well that you have bought in to the Babylon mentality. I want you to look at the end of the Bible in Revelation 17 and verse number 5. Let's read it in the NIV. It says, The name written on her forehead was a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and abominations, the abominations of the earth. 
everything ungodly has its root in this Babylon mentality. If you'll take the time, I, I hope that you will at some point take the time in the next week or so to read chapter 17 and 18 in the book of Revelation. Why? Because you will see that God talks about this Babylon mentality and how this mentality is pervasive in everything in our culture, even in the church. Even in the church where people think it's all about them and it's all about making themselves greater instead of making God greater. We, we've, we need to deal with this in our lives. We need to deal with this in the church today. We need to understand it's not about us. It's not about uh, propping ourselves up or making a name for ourselves or making ourselves greater, but it's about making Jesus greater. It's about exalting Him. It's about lifting Him up. I want you to look at the middle of the Bible, and you'll see it again in Isaiah 47. This scripture has the heading, the fall of Babylon. Look in, look in most Bible translations, and you'll find over Isaiah 47 the, the title, the, the, the fall of Babylon. Isaiah 47, verses 8 through 10 in the NIV says, Now then listen, and this is what it's describing, you lover of pleasure, lounging in your security and saying to yourself, I am and there is none beside me. I am and there is none besides me. I will never be a widow or suffer the loss of children. Both of these will overtake you in a moment, the, the word says, on a single day. Loss of children and widowhood, they will come upon you in full measure in spite of your many sorceries and all your potent spells. You have trusted in your wickedness and you have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and knowledge mislead you when you say to yourself. Now, I want you to hear it again and it's repeated every time something's repeated like this in scripture. Uh, God's trying to get the point across. I am and there is none besides me. It's kind of like a mockery uh, of, of God saying that he is and there is none besides Remember when uh, Moses said, God, who shall I tell him sent me? And God says, tell him I am that I am. Amen. In the, in the Old Testament, we see several times God saying, I am. There is no other God beside me. But in Isaiah 47, the Babylon mentality, amen, says that you promote yourself. You exalt yourself. You're a lover of pleasure. You're lounging in your security. And you're saying to yourself, I am. And there is none beside me. We live in a very selfie generation, right? You know, people all the time. I, I, I don't know. I've got uh, a few teenagers. I, I kind of understand a little bit about culture, not, probably not as much as some of you, but, uh, you know, they're all, all the time. You know, we got these, this selfie generation. And they, they've got devices that help them uh, take selfies and better selfies. And we are a very self-absorbed and self-exalting culture. I want you to understand that the, the motto of Babylon is that I am and there is none besides me. I am and there is none besides me. Babylon it, it elevates self. It's all about me. It's all about 
me. <laughs> I wonder if somebody can recognize that, you know? Uh, it's, you know, there's, uh, yeah, there's good things, but, but really my life is all about me. No, no, uh, that's not exactly how it should go. And that's, that's who we talk about. That's, that, that's, it's my news feed. It's, it's my timeline. It's, it's my story, right? Uh, somebody said to me the other day, they said, did you see that in my Instagram story? I, I said, I'm sorry, I, I don't have the, the time to keep up with everybody's stories. I, I, I'm trying to do some things, and I was so busy at the time. I said, I'm sorry, I just, I just didn't have the time. And they looked at me like, well, then who are you? Why? Because in our culture... It's all about us. We want people to recognize us. I had somebody say to me one time, they, they said, you didn't see my post on Facebook? I said, I, I'm sorry, I didn't. I, you know, they said, well, everybody saw that. Everybody was commenting on it. I said, I, I'm sorry. Uh, number one, I had spent a few days away from Facebook. And uh, not only that, but if you know anything about Facebook, you'll know that sometimes the algorithms uh, keep different things out of certain people's feeds. And so it wasn't anything personal. But it's just funny how in our culture uh, we, we promote self. We put self out there. And, you know, we, 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 we do boomerangs and we do all these uh, little, uh, you know, chats and different things, and, and we, we, we put filters and all this stuff. Why? Because it's all about us. We're exalting self. We're, we're elevating self, and, and so that's uh, the, the, the first thing. We elevate self, and we're self-adorning. Look at me. Uh, that's why filters have become so popular on our uh, Instagrams and different things, because People want to look the very best they can. They want people to, to think uh, highly of them. They, you know, not very many people are out there posting a lot of bad pictures of themselves. Now, I know some people that don't really, they don't really care. They just go ahead. But, but most people, and the people who are trying to get somewhere, trying to elevate themselves, they are posting all kinds of pictures uh, where they're, it's really all about them. Look at their face. Look at their hair. Look at their body. Look at, look at the, the cool clothes that they're wearing. Look at the awesome some places that they are. It's self-adorning. And then it goes beyond that. It goes into self-building where it's all about me. I, I don't need God. You know, I, I'll just come to the church for an hour on Sunday uh, just to say hi. But God, you know, don't bother me. Don't mess with my life. You, you know, I really don't need you. If I, if I get into bad trouble and I have an emergency, then I will let you know. I know where to find you. And that's how a lot of people are living their lives right now. They're self-adorning. They're self-building. They're, they're, they're also self-indulging. They're self-indulging. I can do what I want. If it feels right to me, you know, I, I think I ought to have the right to be able to do it. How dare God call what I like to do so much sin? How dare he call this relationship that I really want sin? And how dare you? How dare you as a Christian? How dare you as a pastor? How dare you as a church call this sin? Because, you know, it makes me happy. It's what I want to do. Self-indulging. It's okay as long as I want it. Because if I want it, you know, God's loving and he's grace, gracious and merciful. He would never deny me all the stuff that I really want. We elevate self over God. We elevate self and we lower God. That mentality is very self-adoring. It's very self-building. It's very self-indulging. And it's not just that we're elevating self, but at the same time, the Babylon mentality causes us to lower God. 
We, we lower God in our thinking. We lower God in our behaviors and everything that we do and say. It's kind of like uh, we go back to that whole thinking that, that Satan starts in uh, Genesis. God doesn't love me. You know, so I've heard people say, what kind of a loving God would, would call me away from the things that I really enjoy and the things that I really want? What kind of a God would take those things from me? You know, God doesn't really love me or, or God isn't for me. That's what the devil is trying to promote to Eve. And, and, and so it's kind of like that, well, you know, God's mean. What a mean God. That's not the kind of God that I want to be uh, serving. And, and all those Bible uh, principles that pastor discusses, those are, those are old. Those are outdated. You know, they may have worked when he was growing up or, or back in the Bible times. But, uh, man, you know, uh, it, it's, it, you know, that's a lie. You know, it's making us think that we know more about what's best for us than what God uh, thinks is best for us. It's, it's making uh, us look like we know how to run society better than God knows how to run our society. And we know how to run our family better than God knows how to run our family. No, God is for you. Everything in his word, everything in scripture, he put there with your best interest in mind. It's not better for him. It's better for you. So why would you ignore those things? And then the other train of thought that I see is that God wants too much from me. That's what this gets to is, you know, God doesn't love me. God's not really for me. God wants too much from me. God asks for too much. You know, why would he ask me to give that up? Why would he? I know I got this relationship or this thing over here or that habit over there. Why would he ask me to give that up? God wants too much from me. God asks too much. Only a loving God, though, would call you out of this mentality. Only a loving God would try to pull you out of the sin that you're in. Only Jesus would say, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more and bring grace and truth into your life. Only a loving God would love you enough, amen, not to leave you in the mess and the chaos and the insanity that you're in and would say, hey, I want to reach you. I'm going to pull you out. I want to give you hope for a better tomorrow. Amen. It's kind of like with, with my children when they were young, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't always know what was best for them, but most of the time I knew better for them than they knew for themselves, right? If I would have left them to their own devices, they would have stayed up all hours of the night. They would have eaten all kinds of sugar and craziness and, and they would have done things to, to the house and, uh, to themselves that, that, that they would have left marks for years and years to come. Why did, why did I say, Hey, don't do that. Or, or I would try to teach them through correction because it was so important that they understood that I did want what was best for them. I did know a little bit better than they did in their situation. And if we know a little bit better than our children, how much more does God know better than we do what's best for our lives? Amen. God doesn't want too much from you. He's trying to bring you out of the chaos and confusion that you're in right now. The perfect story, I think, to illustrate this, we find in the book of Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4 is, is talking about how the king of Babylon, uh, we, we know him as Nebuchadnezzar. This is the guy that brought Daniel and uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He brought them uh, out to, uh, to be with him out of, his, out of their country. And he, you know, they, they, we talked about how he changed, they changed their names and uh, kind of humiliated them, all that kind of stuff. But in Daniel chapter 4, verse 4, we read about this king of uh, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, Nebuchadnezzar says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. <laughs> 
he, everything's good. I've got it just like I wanted. I was contented and I was prosperous, he said. And then he has a dream. And in this dream, just to save you the time today, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream is about this big, beautiful, uh, awesome uh, tree that's very fruitful and it covers the whole kingdom. And, and the birds uh, take refuge and the small animals are, are blessed. And, and it's all wonderful. And, and in this dream, it gets cut down to a stump. And he doesn't understand what this dream is supposed to mean and he needs the interpretation and so he calls a wise men and so none of the wise men none of the astrologers or magicians or diviners of Babylon could tell the king what the dream meant so then uh, along comes Daniel they all remember Daniel you know they bring bring him in and so Daniel comes in and, and he tells uh, this dream he explains his dream to Nebuchadnezzar and I really uh, uh, like the way that Daniel shows courage when he's when he's explaining the meaning of the dream and, and look at verse 22 of Daniel chapter 4 where Daniel shows courage and he says your majesty you are that tree wow I, I you know that just it's kind of amazing to me that Daniel has the courage to say well you know if you really want to know what the you know the the stump is that that's you you get cut down and read on down in verse 25 and 26 and he explains what's going to happen to Nebuchadnezzar you will be driven away from people and will live uh, like the wild animals and you will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven seven years or seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms of the earth on earth and give them to anyone he wishes the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules so Daniel's talking about the insanity that's getting ready to come on Nebuchadnezzar. It's getting ready to happen. And God always uh, brings about a humbling, a, a humility where there is somebody who is walking in such pride and they are doing things their way and not his way. And, and so Nebuchadnezzar's insanity, he is warned about and, and he's told you're going to eat like a cow. You're going to eat the, the grass and you're, you're going to be like a wild animal. You're going to be driven away from people. Nobody's going to want to have any Thing to do with you and 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 I when I was a teenager I heard a message preached and I've preached it in some various forms but the title of the message has always stuck with me and, and they preached it from this text and it was what does God have to do to get your attention what a great question for us to think what does God have to do to get my attention if I have a Babylon mentality what does God have to do to get my attention and so uh, God commands this and I want you to see this in verse 20 26 to the command to leave the stump and, and I will say that uh, God always leaves the stump you don't see in scripture where Jesus ever commands it to be pulled up and and and, and cast away uh, completely it's always cut it down just cut it down and, and remove it but there's always a stump that's left and in this text of scripture we see the command to leave the stump and it says it means that your kingdom will be restored to you 
Can, can, he, can he explain it any more clearly when he says you can get it all back? And here's how you get it all back. When you acknowledge that God is in charge, when you acknowledge that God rules and that there's nobody like God. And so uh, God's going to show you what's about to happen. God's going to reveal to you uh, something. But if there's no change in you, maybe a preacher has preached it. Maybe you have read it or maybe you felt it. Maybe God has impressed to you. Maybe you've seen it in a dream that God is dealing with you and he wants you to humble yourself. But if there is no change in you, it is going to happen. It's God's love, it's his grace, it's his mercy that allows it to happen. As the king one day goes out and he admires Babylon, the kingdom, and, and he allows himself to get puffed up. He might have been uh, standing there looking at the hanging uh, garden, one of the seven wonders of the world. And, and he looks around and he says, look at the kingdom that I have built. And the scripture says even with the words on his lips, it begins to happen. That, that uh, pronouncement begins to take place and, and he goes and he has to live uh, in insanity and confusion and he's living like a beast of the field uh, for seven years and, and then something great happens. His sanity gets restored and I want you to look on in Daniel chapter 4 verses 34 to 37. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. When did his sanity get restored? I, wanted, I want to point it out to you. It got restored when he raised his eyes toward heaven. I wish somebody would hear me today. You need to raise your eyes toward heaven. You've been looking at yourself. You've been looking at your situation. You've been trying to prop yourself up, but you need to raise your eyes toward heaven. If you're living in chaos and insanity and you don't understand what what to do. You lift your eyes toward heaven. He says, then I praised the most high. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. We're not so big. We're not so great. All the peoples of the earth, they're regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him what have you done at the same time that my sanity Nebuchadnezzar says my sanity was restored he said when it came back whenever I began to honor and to praise and to look to the most high he said my sanity was restored my honor and my splendor it came back to me and the glory of my kingdom came back to me God says hey look you can have it all back when you acknowledge where it comes from when you acknowledge that I am the one who allows you to have what you have to do what you do to be who you are amen and he said my my advisors and my nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and I became even greater than before wow I wish you would hear me today because some of you that are listening to me you've lost your mind spiritually you've fallen into some sin spiritually and you've gotten out of where God wants you to be but the scripture said that he commanded the stump to be left. And he, he said, I, I got brought back. And when I got brought back and I started acknowledging God, I started recognizing where it all came from. And my brain, my spiritual brain came back to me. He said, I got it even greater than before. There are some of you that are listening to me right now. And I want you to hear your pastor. God wants to restore some things that the devil has tried to take in your insanity and your confusion of biblical principles and the way that you're supposed to live your life. But 
what God wants to bring it back even greater than what you had before. He wants you to have a greater relationship with him, a deeper communion with him than ever before. He wants you to have a more fruitful ministry than ever before. God has plans for you. God has a design for you. And yes, he's allowed some humbling to come into your life. But hear me today. Amen. God has really left the stump there and he's dealing with the stump right now. And if you'll just turn to him and you'll acknowledge him, some things can turn around. It can be better than it was before. And he says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. Why? Because everything he does is right. And all his ways are just. All his ways are right. And on those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. When you learn these things, and I want to just share the secret right now. you got to understand this. Here's the secret to not having a Babylon mentality. Here's the secret to not living in ungodliness. And it's this. Number one, I will exalt God. I will exalt God. You want to set culture? Then the first thing you have to do, you have to make up in your mind, I will exalt God. Exaltation takes place at all kinds of uh, different places. You see it taking place with, with Hollywood. You see it taking place in sports. And uh, probably sports is one of the most uh, just uh, out of the, 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 the ordinary things that you see. You'll, you'll see people who will go to sport games and, and they'll be in the middle of winter in, in some place like Wisconsin or or, or, or someplace really cold and they're out there with no shirt on they're out there you know half naked and they've got body paint on that's all they got and that I mean just crazy stuff and then you go to some stadiums and I, I've even been in some stadiums and they and, and just to hear the roar of the stadium it's like you know when they score a touchdown or they score a goal or something it just goes people go crazy and so if it happens on a Saturday afternoon at one of these college football stadiums or it happens in a ballpark when somebody hits a home run or somebody scores a goal and you hear them go crazy. And sometimes it seems to me like their praise and their adoration, their exaltation of that team and that that score and that circumstance, it almost it, it almost really rivals what the book of Psalms talks about, how people are supposed to worship God, how we're supposed to exalt him. And, and so when people get wild at the games, we call them fans. But when people get wild at church, they get called fanatics. Well, guess what? I think if you read the book of Psalms, it's telling us we should all be fanatics. We should all be fans of Jesus. There ought to be somebody that lets a shout come out of their spirit tonight. There ought to be somebody that says, God has been so good to me. Amen. It's not about scoring a touchdown or scoring a goal or dunking a basketball. Amen. But God has been good to me. He saved my soul. He touched my child when they were sick. God has done more for me than anybody else. I will exalt him. I will lift him up. He, is, he alone is worthy of all of my praise. I will exalt him. Amen. So we've got to lift him up. We've got to exalt him. Can we just take a few seconds right now? Can you just make God uh, feel worthy today? Can you just exalt him in your life and let him know how appreciative you are? God, we exalt you. We magnify you. We lift you up, God. You alone are 
worthy of our praise. We praise you today. We exalt you. There's nobody like you, God. There's nobody beside you. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. Come on right now, wherever you're watching this, God, we exalt you in our lives. You are the highest. You are the most important. And you, God, are the King of kings and Lord of lords in our lives. Amen. Psalm 145 and verse 1 says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Amen. People ought to come to our churches just to see the people who are on fire for God. I, I know that this used to happen a lot, and maybe it doesn't happen anymore. Amen. But uh, there are some people that they just want to see people who are on fire for God. I heard not too long ago that Eddie James, uh, one of uh, these gospel singers that is, uh, has written some incredible music, he wants to bring his team to a North American Youth Congress and he, he his, his saying what well, he said, I just want my team to see some people who are so on fire for God. I wonder if our churches could be, whenever we get back to having church together, if our churches would be filled with people who say, I just want to see some people who are on fire for the King of Kings and how much they love the Lord of Lords. I just want to see that. Amen. I wonder if there would be some church uh, people today that right now in your home, you say, I'm not going to wait till I get back in the building. I'm going to begin to exalt God right now. I'm going to begin to exalt him on my on my Facebook. I'm going to begin to exalt him on my Instagram. I'm going to begin to exalt him in every way, shape, and form that I can because he truly is worthy. I will exalt you. When you start exalting God, culture can't touch you. When you start exalting God, it doesn't matter what culture does. You're going to be all right. The second thing that you need to do, and this is the way that you defeat the Babylon mentality, is I will acknowledge God. No matter what culture says, no matter what laws they might pass, I'm going to acknowledge God. His ways are right. His ways are just. Everything he does is good. And the only reason I can tell you today, the only reason that I have the opportunity to speak to you on a regular basis is because of God. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing special about this guy that's talking to you right now. As a matter of fact, my school principal told me a few years back uh, something that's very humbling, but it's absolutely absolutely true. He said, if A.J. Dummett can pastor, then anybody God chooses to can pastor. There's nothing special about me. Amen. Oh, I'm only here because God placed me here. And whenever he chooses to, he can replace me with anybody that he wants to replace me with. And if the day that I forget that, the day that I get lifted up with pride is the day that I will be brought low. I want you to know, amen, it's not about me. I will acknowledge God. You know, when Kathy and I write our, our tithe and our offering checks out, we don't say, you know, okay, God, here's our, our 10%. It's all you're getting. Don't ask for anything else. No, we, we, we simply say, God, here is our whatever percent. It's our tithes, our, our offering, our greater, our missions, and anything else that we're given to that month. And, and, and we say, God, here's, here's whatever percent it is, but God, make no mistake about it. Everything belongs to you. It's all yours. And, and, and you got to understand, God, that we're only here because you placed us here. Everything that we have belongs to you. So, God, we acknowledge you. And uh, I want you to understand that we, we belong to him. Amen. We need to acknowledge him in everything that we are and everything that we do. First Corinthians 4, 7 says, what are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, then why act as though you have accomplished something on your own? Wow. 
That's, that's amazing. All that we have is from God. Well, I'm, I have, this is my business. I built this business. I made this money. I did, I accomplished it. Look at me. No, no. All that you have is from God. Your skills, your talents, your abilities, your looks, your brain, it all came from God. So acknowledge him. You wouldn't have the job that you have without God. You wouldn't have the skills that you have without God. You wouldn't have the the things that you have if God hadn't blessed you with them. God has allowed you to have them. So acknowledge God in everything. And then number three is I will humble myself. I will humble myself myself. I want you to say, I want you to just put that humble in there. And then I want you to say this, I will humble myself. Why? Because humility is coming. I know we don't like to hear this. We don't like to talk about it, but life, culture, experiences, circumstances, the devil, or even God himself can bring, uh, initiate this, this humility in your life, but you should initiate it. You should be the one to humble yourself. James 4 and verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. Humble yourselves. That's what the Scripture says. It's either your choice. It's going to be humiliation or humility. What what do you choose? You, You can choose one or the other. If you don't choose, it's going to be humiliation. But if you'll choose, you can choose humility today. It's coming, and it's coming for America. It's coming for for, for churches. It's coming for businesses. It's coming for people and for families. Why? Because insanity is assured for every family, for every home, for every uh, nation who chooses to live with a Babylon mentality. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for what God has blessed you with and all the talents and skills and abilities that God has given you. But acknowledge it all comes from God in the first place. God will lift you up. God will exalt you. Look at the scripture. He will lift you up. God will lift you up if you'll start with humbling yourself. Some of us need to humble ourselves. We need to get back to a, an altar where we humble ourselves before the Lord and let God lift us up. I, I want to close with this. Uh, it, it's been said that the man that uh, is on his face can never fall from that position. If we are laying prostrate before God, we are on our face before God, we are seeking God. We can't fall from that position. Culture cannot touch somebody who is constantly on their face before God. And, and there's some little keys here. This is how you live for God. You, you stay low. You stay humble. You serve God. You serve people. And you make it all about Jesus. Your life has to be about Him. Your life has to be about what pleases Him. What makes Him happy. And, and, and I, I think that the easiest way to say this, and we're talking about standing firm and loving well, standing firm in a pride-inflated culture begins in a face-down posture. Standing firm in a pride-inflated culture begins in a face-down posture. I wonder if we could do that right now. I wonder if we could just take a few moments, and I don't know exactly what, where you are and what, what uh, situation you're in, but could you make your living room or a, uh, your, your, your uh, bedroom or your kitchen or your dining room or maybe your basement, could you make that a, a prayer closet right now? Could you, uh, uh, you know, maybe with your family or with those that are uh, with you right now or even by yourself, could you, could you let, just let, the, let the sanity be restored to your life? And, and let God come back in and speak into your life one more time. 
I wonder if we could begin in a face down posture. I wonder if you would bow your head or maybe if you would kneel where you are, if you would find a place to pray for the next few moments. And I wonder if we could say, God, help me to defeat this Babylon mentality in my life. God, let peace return into my life. I'm tired of doing things my way. That's what sin is. God, I'm tired of doing things my way. I want to do things your way. That's what salvation is doing things God's way. We've got we've to do it God's way. Amen. He said, repent. He said, be baptized. He said, receive his spirit. If we will do it his way, amen. He, we, we can live God's way. We can follow God's principles if we'll just follow him. Amen. We can exalt him. We can acknowledge him. Amen. And we can humble ourselves right now. God, in this, in this place, in this home, Lord, in this uh, car, wherever they're watching from right now, I pray, God, that you would let sanity become restored in their life. Let their spiritual sanity come back. Let their mind come back right now. I speak against everything, Lord, that would defeat, Lord, your purpose and your plan in their life. And let peace return, God, as they humble themselves right now, as they turn from their way and they begin to exalt you. I pray that you let the battle and mentality be broken in their life. In the name of Jesus, God, I loose your spirit and your power to go and do the work, Lord. God, we're in this place right now, and we need you. We are desperate for you, God. We are turning to you as your word says. We're humbling ourselves. We're seeking your face. We're praying, God. And as they do, I believe the Babylon mentality will be broken off of everyone. That exalting self uh, will be broken off of each and every one right now. In the name of Jesus and your peace and your sanity. Hallelujah. God is going to return right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.
Thank you so much for joining us. I cannot tell you how uh, important it is that you stay connected and that you stay tuned in during this time of uh, social distancing and this time in our culture where things are, are getting out of hand. I, I really want to encourage you, amen, to uh, be with us. We are going to have a special uh, communion for just our church uh, on Friday night, and that will be online only. And uh, I want to encourage you to be a part of that, all of our church members. Uh, on Sunday, we will have a fantastic uh, Easter message, Easter service uh, online, and uh, we are excited about the resurrection, amen. We are excited about what Jesus did, and uh, we're going to be talking about how he uh, came, he died, he rose, and he reigns, and that's going to be our Easter Sunday. You will not want to miss that. And then next week, we are going to have an incredible after Easter revival. We have some really incredible evangelist missionaries and pastors that are going to be speaking to us over the over the course of Monday through Saturday. Every night at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. there will be uh, speakers and uh, special content, and you will not want to miss it. Please invite somebody to watch with you. We are excited about what God is going to do, and uh, we are really looking forward to this. Be in prayer with us, amen, and we know that God is going to use this as a great tool of revival and encouragement and uplifting to our church. May God bless you. Please, if you have any questions, don't, don't hesitate take contact us right away. Let us know. We want to speak with you. Don't forget to be faithful in your giving, your offerings, and God will continue to bless you. Let's defeat the Babylon mentality. Let's stand firm and love well. Amen. We look forward to seeing you in, in, very soon and, and pray that God's peace and his blessing will be upon you. Lord Jesus, thank you for our time that we've had together. Thank you, God, for everything that you're doing in the hearts and lives of your people. Help us to defeat the Babylon mentality, to humble ourselves, and to elevate and exalt you every chance that we can. God, we love you, and we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us.